collapsed on the balcony on the fourth floor Alpha Bravo corner. We were unable to make our rescue. We're making a rescue now on the Alpha side. Welcome to another edition of Undercover Mental Health. Today we have a four-year firefighter who says he's going to come on this show and be totally candid and honest. And one of the cool things about this guy is he is a machine. If you know who David Goggins is, this is David Goggins in the fire service. And in a way, you even look like David Goggins. He's an extreme athlete, surfer, mountain biker, anything extreme, he does it. Guy can hold his breath for four minutes. We just had a discussion about childhood and how it inspired, well, I know for me it inspired me to be a firefighter. And you said it was similar for you. So explain, what in your childhood helped you become a firefighter or inspired you to become one? I guess it's kind of a two-part thing. It would be um, just the emergency situations I encountered before I did that as a job and the people that helped me get out of a tough spot. People helping me made me want help. Firefighters came and you saw them working and you thought... No, responding as a civilian to medical emergencies and fire emergencies. Just happened to be there. Oh, wow. Just being a civilian, kind of Good Samaritan stuff just happened a lot. And how how old were you? Oh, from really young, like being like, I'd say around 11, 10 or 11 with my mom having a medical emergency and then... It's just constantly being out with people that put themselves at risk. They quite often got injured, so I'd have to do first aid on them. And, and just, you know, running into people at car accidents and house fires, things like that. Were you fascinated by fire? No. Never? I mean, like, I played with matches and stuff as a kid, but yeah. it never really stuck. It wasn't, like, something I was super into. And we talked earlier, you got in a lot of trouble, just like I did when when we were kids. And, oh, yeah. uh I mean, I know personally my childhood, my past guided me to being a firefighter. In fact, I know the moment when I knew I wanted to become a firefighter. I know exactly where it was. I know what happened. I can see it clear as day as I'm talking about it right now. Did you have one of those aha moments? No, for me, it was more subtle. It was was kind of decades of gentle nudges of, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And (laughs) you're clearly supposed to be doing this as a career. And it it wasn't for years until I... I found it. I didn't I didn't even start this career path until pretty late in life after I was well along in another career. You know, I think that's probably pretty common for a lot of firefighters, but give the listeners an idea of, you know, what your childhood was like. Like, you know, did you grow up in a, did you have brothers and sisters? Did you grow up yep. in a small community? I had an older brother, younger sister. And, uh, we grew up in a small town and it was our group of friends was into getting in trouble and a lot of recreational Drug use and drinking was pretty pretty standard, and uh, yeah, we all got in a lot of trouble, and I was always kind of the one around, because I sobered up pretty easy, I was kind of always the overwatch, and always there to help people when they got into trouble, so it was a natural position, I kind of just became my position in life, not just by circumstances. So you do you think you kind of turn into a caregiver through your childhood, and a helper, and then the firefighting service looks like it's it's that opportunity for you to continue that exactly it was i guess my aha moment was i can't do a job that i'm not helping people i can't live for myself anymore so i need and doing it just on the side volunteer once in a while helping people wasn't enough it felt like the rest of it my regular job kind of lacked meaning after a while and i I was drawn towards that in the need to help people full-time 
you know, my, my other career was more just, it didn't really do it for me. You worked last oh, yeah. night. Did you have any calls that might have been related to mental health? It was 100% mental health. Really? Yeah. Can you describe a call? That it was It was just a, a real common call we get is the, you know, some un, a man down, unknown reason you get there as a drunk person sleeping. It's always, if they get to that point in their alcoholism, it's always due to, men, it's a mental health issue. It's not an addiction problem. How young was that person? Uh, maybe 20. And homeless? Nope. Because we deal with just a lot on, of homeless just people. Just on their way home, trying to get to work on time. Really? After a, a, a tough night. And I, I see these people and I, I see myself because I, I've been in their shoes. I've been in a lot of people's shoes. I've been lucky enough to experience a lot of walks of life <laughs> along the way here. So it's given me a lot of empathy and compassion for people because I just, you know, I see, I, see, I remember my situations and I, I see myself in them. So it's like, it's hard to judge them when you've been there, you know. A lot of firefighters, you know, feel that way. They, you know, they look, they look at someone's challenges that they're having on that day because, you know, a firefighter, well, police, ambulance, you go to help people when they're having their worst day Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And it's funny that you talk about, you know, a 20-year-old person and you were there at one point. How old were you when you, you know, fought alcoholism? Oh, like 17, 16. And why do you think you were such a struggling with? with drinking it's just a way to numb the pain of coping skills that you haven't developed it's always it's always a lack of coping skills i've seen that from seeing so many people go down the same path and come out of it it's always a lack of coping skills to deal with life do you think that's an issue in the fire service right now definitely call it compensating right you can overcompensate you can over medicate like yeah yourself it's self-medicating yeah. yeah, and then after a while you keep doing it. I've done it myself, so I can, yeah. and so have you. So you know, we're we're talking about something that we know, and then I think towards the end you keep doing it and doing it and hoping to just get through that challenging part. But what happens is whatever you're doing starts to work less and less and less, and then you get there and you feel super alone with the same challenge in front of you, and now you're pounding back half a twenty-six every night mm-hmm. to try and fix that problem. But it's really just putting it off till tomorrow. Exactly, and your coping skills work less and less, and you you cause more and more problems you need to cope with in the process. So it's kind of and then you got to go to work the next day. So it's a bit of an escalating downward spiral. And how off, how common do you think it is in the fire service? I'm sure it's common uh, for all first responders, but would uh, you would you just looking at the fire service in general? You think I think it would be a common problem just because like <clears throat> there's a lot to deal with in that job. I didn't realize that. I didn't really give it the weight it deserves when coming into it. Like. It, it does kind of take a toll on you after I didn't really notice it until a few years here and I was like oh this is kind of a heavy job you need to process this stuff <laughs> my favorite you know motivational guys with Jocko Willink and he talks about uh, you know mental toughness and we are our minds he talks about mind control and he his, his line is don't let your mind control you you control your mind and I think you know I can talk to this myself is when I was really pounded back to booze my mind had full control over me. I had no control over it. It was lying to me. It was, I was stuck in a box and booze was the only way to get me to tomorrow. And I know a lot of firefighters who struggle with that today. Then I would have to go to work and go to calls and, you know, help people when I'm struggling myself. It's hard. Oh yeah. I mean, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of the challenges come for firefighters where you hear my little clip at the end talk about if you're driving and listening to this podcast, drive safely. If you're just about to go to bed, have a great sleep. But if you're struggling, you know, what we know about mental health is we we know that sleep is 
probably the most important thing, diet, exercise, but we also know that a lot of first responders don't go for counseling. They've never tried it. They don't believe in it. And, you know, I know personally people who have committed suicide, you know, one of the reasons my organization is called Muscular Mental Health is because these guys were in amazing physical shape, but they had no time. Well, some of them had no time to go for counseling. Have you ever gone for counseling? Yeah. And would you say it's effective? Oh, yeah. I would say so. I mean, I, I compare it to, like, going to physiotherapy for your body. Like, sometimes I do it because I've really hurt something, and sometimes I do it because <clears throat> it's just a small, nagging injury that I want it to go away and not become chronic. But <laughs> I never really treated my brain like that before, I, and I'm starting to now. And do you see a big change in the fire service, like, towards that? Like, my line is it's okay to not be okay. And oh, yeah, I've seen that change just in even the last few years. I've seen positive changes in that direction. And Definitely. do you think that's made it easier for someone like yourself? And I'm just going to say this. So I got hired in 1990, and uh, most of my buddies are, you know, 30 years on the job. And they're going to say to you or look at you go, dude, you've been on four years. What the hell could be bothering you? That's the way those, that old guard will think. The people that I've spoken to, you know, the one to five-year guys are are really struggling. Oh, yeah. And I, I think these next generations are going to st struggle even more because I don't know, this, the, the mental health awareness also can be a double-edged sword where, you know, just how people like to self-diagnose every little, you know, malady and ingrown toenail and, and check it on the internet. They're going to self-diagnose with all these mental problems and everything's really affecting them, even if it's not. So, like, they're gonna, they don't have the old world stoicism and they haven't really embraced the new world take care of yourself. So they're in an even worse spot. <laughs> I think mental health calls are, are more rampant than they ever were. Opioid op overdose is like, it used to be more than 50% of our calls. Um, mental health calls are now, you know, the other 50%, like it, it's almost balanced. It's, a, it's an interesting time for first responders because, you know, burnout is super high in any profession. Like you look at the World Health Organization and they've just listed it uh, occupational disease. The people that I got on with, we just plowed through shit. You know what, though? We drank a lot together. And the funny thing is, we socialized more. And when you go and drink with your crew, and, you know, especially being the rookie, you get welcomed in a lot faster. Now that social element seems to be much harder. Yeah. Would you agree? Like, so I'll no, give you an example. Now. It's not And it's missing. And, that's, and that is counseling. That's old school counseling. Yeah. You go and get drunk with your buddy and you share the real shit. Yeah. And, and don't do that now. Not, no. a, not enough, anyways. No. Well, you also build trust with the guy you're working yeah. with, right? Exactly. It was hard to be a rookie in that era because you had really, really old school kind of rednecks who were firefighters back then with, you know, you went to a bad call and they'd put their knee up on the couch and make you sit down and they would tell you the worst three calls they ever went to. And then you left there feeling like shit because now you're, you couldn't even get over the call you just responded to. But now you've got to think about the three calls that they went to. But that's the way it used to work. And for some reason, and I don't know why, it worked for me and most of the guys I got on with. It's, it's, it, because that builds toughness as well. Being able to be resilient, it's, it's the same as you injure yourself. You just sit around putting band-aids on and putting your foot up. You're not going to get better. These guys that just don't stop and muscle through and power through it and tear their muscles and keep going, they get stronger. They go through it. Same thing with your your brain. 
yeah, you can take care of your mental health, but you also need to you need to build that mental toughness to be able to make it through the tough patch. And it's okay to not be okay, like like you said earlier. Like you're not supposed to be comfortable all the time. You're not supposed to feel good all the time. Well, you know, as when you were a kid, and you know, you had challenges or you got shit kicked by someone. That's where the growth is. Oh, totally. All the growth comes from when you're being challenged or weak or you're down and out. That's where oh, yeah. all the growth is. Oh yeah. So you look back at your childhood and talk about growth, and then you still got in trouble a lot when you were a teenager. Why do you think, if you could look back and change anything in your childhood, would you? No. No. Because I, that was, I learned so much about, about people and about myself from, having, from being in all those positions. And it well, makes me better at my job now. What about uh, the fire service? So obviously there could be lots of growth in the fire service. Do you think it's happening? Yes. You do? Okay, can you give us some examples of what you're seeing for growth? What about from a mental health perspective? Where's the growth there? People are more open about talking about it. Yeah, the, the I would agree with The lines that. of dialogue are, are definitely way more open than they were a few years. And, and I'm only seeing over a few years, but I'm seeing change in a good direction. What could we do better in the fire service? What could we do? What could organizations do to help their firefighters be better when it comes to mental health? Well, when you said trust, you were just echoing what I was thinking in my head. That Like any organization, any organization can get better if people are just honest and can talk about the reals. Everyone always tiptoes around the subject and doesn't really say what, you know, there's no confrontation, there's no arguments, there's no real, everyone tiptoes around everything. If people could just be real with each other. Yeah. That's it. Well, I think there's fear. Why? Well, you know. There is fear and there's no trust. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. And that's why people can't be real with each other. Yeah. Because there's no trust. And so when you said trust, you were just echoing what I was thinking when you asked me the question. Okay. So how do you create that venue of trust where firefighters, <laughs> where firefighters could... Um... <laughs> if I knew that, I wouldn't be in this line of work. I'd be, I'd be the new Dr. Phil. <laughs> okay. Well, there's still time for that. You're young. No, I don't want to do that. Um, so four years on the job. Do you like it? I love it. It fits me like a glove. Nice. It's a perfect career for me. Nice. Well, you know what? I uh, think Good you're point. making a difference out there. You've got a great attitude and... Guys like yourself who take on this role with the type of childhood you've had, which you've struggled. I mean, you were, you're a rotten kid, man. Oh, yeah. yeah you, <laughs> you stole things. You broke things. You definitely lived life as a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I left, I left a stain there for sure. But, you know, so many years of, of uh, giving back, I've, I feel like I've more than balanced the scales. Mm. And I don't think it, it drives me to do good. I just... It just feels good. That's what drives me to keep doing it. Once you start doing that, once you get a taste for for living for other people rather than yourself, you can't go back to just selfish acts, you know, working just for money and doing stuff that's unfulfilling because it pays well. And that's cool. Once I that like, shift happens, you can't go back. I like the way you said that. Or at least that. hopefully yeah. you can't. <laughs> Try not to. Well, yeah, I, I think there's lots of people that, uh, you know what, they leave the job miserable at the end and they have all these reasons why they hate it. And it's, it's unfortunate, but lots of people do towards the end of their career. They're just, they're in this pit of despair and they're surrounded by all this negativity. It's hard to watch because, you know, for me, Becoming a firefighter was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'll never forget it. Uh, nor will my dad. Actually, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, nor will she. And yeah, I just, just such a great profession. And I, you know, it really bothers me, to be honest, that I see these guys and gals that are just so unhappy with their career choice. 
these people don't like their job, my guess is, because they're not putting into it anymore. Everybody I see who's loved their job right to the end, they're involved in all these little side projects, and they're really, like, enthusiastic about their job still, and they keep putting in extra, not just showing up and coasting. Those are the people I try to model myself after, and hopefully, if I can, I'll have a fulfilling career right to the end, and I won't lose my enthusiasm for it. Hopefully, that's the plan. I just noticed, I noticed these people, like, they're all, you know, a lot of people that have taught me courses, they're doing, they're being instructors on their, on their spare time, they're, they're working on other charitable organizations, they're doing all the, all the extracurricular stuff seems to be the secret to keeping your enthusiasm in this career. That's what I've observed anyway, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to follow that. I really wanted to have a someone on the show that was under five years and you've got a great attitude towards the job in the community i'm sure you do amazing work but your attitude is amazing and you know what i i look at myself as a young firefighter if i was working with a guy like you i mean i could grow and learn and it'd be fun like that's one thing about the job that i you know most of my career i'd like to say i always had fun but sometimes having fun you got to drop leave your shit at the door to come to work and be able to have fun and um, do you have fun on the job? Like, is it oh, fun? Yeah. Oh, yeah, all day. Oh, that's awesome. Because I work with my buddies. Yeah. Even when we're doing the worst stuff, it's just we're, we're joking, we're having fun every day. It's because of the crew. It's, it's not what we're doing. Right. The crew is great. Good. I get to work with my friends every day. They're my brothers. When I got hired, I looked at it like, you guys aren't hiring me. They're adopting me. I'm going to eat dinner with these guys and sleep in the same place for the next 20, 25 years, whatever. So as soon as I started, I'm like, well... This is, these are my brothers now. Take them or leave them. Like them or not, that's your brother now. You can't. And it's it's even more than that because your family you can just ignore and never talk to them again. These guys are they're there for so they're like your family you can't get rid of. So you better, <laughs> better deal with them. Well, it's funny you say that because my wife would tell people if we go to a dinner party and she go, oh yeah, Steve has two families, the fire hall and us. And one time I got called out by the, one of her friends said, which family do you like better? And I I said. I like them both. Like that's that was my answer. But I and I love my family. My kids are amazing. My wife's lights out. You know, I'm so happy in my personal life with the way it's worked out for me. Trust me, we have been through some tough times. But I also loved going to work and being with the guys. And I worked, you know, for the most part of my career, super busy halls and uh, you know on super busy rigs. And uh, it, I just just love going to work and I always had fun and people will tell me oh but it's a dangerous job and well on that note do you think it's dangerous you're for your I'm the bad wrong person to ask well, that you, but I you're, you're the reason I don't think I I don't it's not dangerous to me that's probably the safest part of my life because everything I do I'm doing it with four or five guys that watching my back with all the best equipment and all the safety gear on like my personal life I like to take risks for fun. I like to do extreme sports, and no one's watching my back. There are miles from anywhere. I'm like chopper rescue. If someone notes and no- notices me, <laughs> you know. So, like the stuff I do outside of work is legit dangerous. The stuff I do at work is, it doesn't seem dangerous to me. So um, you consider it to be safe? Very safe. Nice. It's it's <laughs> safety. It's modern safety. Work safe. Everyone's wearing gloves, so they get soft hands and. No, I was born in the wrong century. I don't, I don't like this all this safety. I think it's a little bit overboard. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think from that perspective, you're right. Firefighters now are all buttoned up. Hopefully, the cancers will go down and heart attacks will go down, and all those, 
all those things around stressors. But I will say, without question, mental health has elevated in this service, especially in the last, I'm going to say, 10 years. Hmm. I mean, there's been some dark times in the fire service when it comes to mental health, and a lot of it stems from people not wanting to talk about it. I mean, if you look at the International Association of Firefighters' latest survey, they interviewed anonymously 7,000 firefighters, and 81% of them said, if I was suffering from a mental illness, and if I told my coworkers or my captain or my management or my supervisor, I'd be looked at as I was weak or unfit for duty. 81% of them said that. I wouldn't share that. So, no way. So you would think it'd be higher than that. Never show weakness or the pack will feed on you. That's how I grew up. But it's, isn't that the fire service culture as well? I don't know. That's how I deem it because that's how I grew up. I don't know if that's the case. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't test the waters to find out. Well, seven <laughs> seven thousand firefighters said that was the case, yeah. and I think it's higher because I agree. I wouldn't share. A friend of mine who's no longer with us. Uh, we were doing some mental health stuff together, and he believed that if firefighters were allowed to talk in a large venue amongst their peers about suicidal thoughts and how they're feeling mentally, and they would grow from that experience and be able to go out, and it would grow throughout the fire service culture and I disagree with that because I've done a lot of presentations on mental health. Everybody always chases into my car afterwards. They do not want to say anything in front of those 50 to 100 people. I did a 600 one. I was there for the next day and everybody started to corner me, you know, shake my hand and tell me their story, but no one was willing to stand up and talk about it. So I have to disagree with, you know, that analogy on firefighters are willing to talk about it because I don't see it. I believe they're willing to talk about it. That's why I created this undercover mental health. So many people have said to me, I'd love to tell that story, but I can't. So that's how this started. Mm-hmm. And you know, the organization is called Muscular Mental Health because I know some people that took their own lives and they were fit human beings. And they had no problem working out all the time when they were stressed, but right. they didn't have the time to work on themselves mentally. Do you see that a lot in the oh, fire service? I've experienced that. That's, that's me. I always make sure I, I maintain a level of fitness, always. My mental health goes up and down. That stays. My, my physical health, I always stay on top of that. But you said earlier that, you know what, you've, you've had counseling and it's been effective for you. So yeah. shouldn't that be one of the biggest pieces of your growth in, in your career? Yeah, but you have to want it. And when you're down, you don't even want to want it. That's the thing. Like, and even like trying to share with someone, like I don't even want to share with people that I'm really close to and trust, let alone some stranger. So it's a big step to to get the ball rolling on that. I thought it was, but okay. Well, what's the answer? More than fifty percent of you know first responders have never had counseling. What's the? How do you fix that? I don't know. Like the way I sold it to myself was just treat it like physio because. Man, I spent a lot of money on massage and physio and all these things to make sure my body's in tip-top shape, even if I'm not even that bad. I try to look at it like that. I spun it like that for me, and that, I sold it to myself that way, and that, that seemed to work. Like I'm just going for a brain tune-up. Yeah, that's what got the ball rolling for me. Well, I believe, though, the, there's two things the fire service doesn't like, and that is change and the way things are. <laughs> yeah. Those are the two <laughs> things. True. So for me, I uh, I think if you want to change that culture, it's going to take 10 years and it's going to have to start with the recruits now. 
you know what? The old guard's going to have to leave. The guys that I got hired with are going to have to move on. The middle guys are going to have to learn. I think it's going to have to be a bottom-up type change because fire service is very top-down. I think that's that's probably the biggest change I see. But I'm super excited about the fire service. I think, you know what? It's, it's going to be good. I mean, there's people out there that are willing to share stories and help. Like, so many people are willing to help. It's It's crazy. It's neat. It's so amazing to see people when when you know when a department's going through a mental health crisis so many people are, will reach out or if you call someone they're so willing to help i don't think that was the case even just five years ago i think a lot of people are willing to help but i if, i think i would guess a lot of people are like me they like to help people they don't like to let people help them I, it's really hard for me to let people help me oh i hate it <laughs> Even if I'm struggling, yeah, can't do it. Well, it's a real, that's a, that's a real learning curve for me. And I, I bet you it's a common thing. We're not so unique as humans. If we're, if we're feeling some way, chances are the guy next to us is too. Nah. Check-ins? How about check-ins? Uh, well, you know what? I think physical check-ins to make sure everyone's maintaining their fitness levels is very important. So why not that be part of it? Yeah, why not? I mean, that actually makes sense. Yeah. When you look at suicides surpassing line of duty deaths, I think check-ins should be Ooh, mandatory. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I don't think there should be a choice. Like, you know what? When you're losing so many first responders to but suicide... I think that comes down to trust, too. I wouldn't want to, someone to check in on mental health and then use it against me. Yeah, that's the fear, that's right? The thing. That's the And that's what made me think. We don't well, know. you know what? It would, it's, it's already being done. And it's already being done anonymously. And it is working. And I think that's the effective foundation for building whatever is going to get built here in the next 10 to 15 years in the fire service. I really believe the suicide epidemic that police and fire are in, paramedics too, something's got to change. And I, you know, I think we're starting to see it little by little, but like you said, the trust isn't there. There's all these challenges and I'm super hopeful. I I really believe in the fire service. And, you know, I was so fortunate. I got to work with the local police on their CMU team crowd management unit, which is basically their ride squad. And one of the things I learned through that whole process, that three years, is I got to see through the eyes of the police. And I just changed the way I think. And they're just regular people like us. And I know that because I actually applied for a police department. You just see things differently. I just think police and fire, they have a lot of, a lot of the same challenges. I am so grateful. I got someone with four years of experience on this show and someone with an attitude like yours. It's super refreshing. I want to thank you for your service. And I also want to say Keep doing what you're doing. I hope the fire service becomes everything you want it to be when you got hired. I really do. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. For all of you who are driving and listening to the show, please drive safe. For you that are just about to go to bed, have a great night's sleep. And for you that are struggling, the ones that have never tried counseling, find a good health professional. Try it. And if you don't like it, find another one. Keep looking until you find someone you can talk to. Talk therapy is the key if you're struggling. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for listening.